Passion and DJ podcast, where we are becoming better DJs through passion and purpose. And now your host, David Michael. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Passionate DJ Podcast. I'm your host, David Michael, and this is the first episode of 2018. And with me in the room is nobody. Nobody? (laughs) But are we here? I'm here. So this episode is a bit of an experiment for us, this first episode of 2018. Uh, We all decided to record remotely as we are currently being um, having an onslaught from winter weather. On our recording date, we're getting pummeled. Uh, So we're still not even really sure what the accumulation is going to be and stuff, but I was kind of checking the news as I was getting ready to record here, and I noticed a trip, the section of highway between my house and your house, there was a jackknife semi-truck that caused the uh, highway to be closed, and so I think we made the right choice in deciding to do it this way. Agreed. So we're going to give this a whack. And not to mention, there's a car right in front of Trip and Mine's house, so... Oh, yikes. <laughs> yeah, it just stranded there in a ditch. Yep. In the, Oh, in the ditch. Do they have any help yet? Yeah, there's uh, AAAs out there right now, I believe. Oh, okay, good. <laughs> they look cold, though. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you take them some hot cocoa? I actually took them some coffee because I felt bad for them. Oh, nice. That's the mo I know. <laughs> Whereas I turned so, off my porch light, <laughs> <laughs> peeking out his blinds. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, and the second reason that we're kind of recording all in separate rooms here is because uh, we've had the Black Death hit our team. How are you guys feeling over there? Oh, <laughs> uh, man. You guys yeah. sound a little better than last time I heard. Yeah, it, everything started off with just like a slight sore throat, and the next thing I know, it's just complete pandemonium on my sinus cavities and my chest and throat and everything else. So, yeah, a few days have gone by where I don't know exactly what happened, but definitely feeling a lot better now. Yeah, for me, yesterday was spent mostly horizontal in various stages of awakeness. Oh. <laughs> was that due to medication or whiskey or both? Yes. well hopefully today's show topic will uh, perk you guys up i want to talk about inspiration i think that's a good way to start out a new year Uh, just kind of talk about the things that get us fired up get us excited about music and what we use is use as sources of material and just inspiration for our own djing and musical pursuits Uh, one of those things to to just kind of give some ideas to other people and, and, you know, figure out what causes us to want to, you know, create these journeys and really get into the music. Why do we really love this thing so much and what does it for us? Uh, before we get too far into that, though, we do need to hit a quick point of news because there has been some news going around about Serato, which was actually brought up, uh, brought to our attention by DJ Serato, who is in our uh, ambassador program. So thank you for the heads up on this. He had originally said that we, there were some compatibility issues with High Sierra, which is the newest version of Mac OS. And the latest I heard was that this has been corrected now. Trip, have you are you caught up on this as our resident Serato user? Yeah, there 
there was some issue with uh, Serato, and and that's pretty typical of them. Is uh, Serato doesn't usually just jump on and and uh, make the latest versions compatible with whatever um, the latest OS upgrade is. So, um, but as soon as I saw that uh, show up, then that's I went out and looked at the Serato support forums. And there is a uh, link out there. Uh, we'll throw that in the show notes. But uh, there, there is um, some steps to take, and uh, and Serato is uh, Serato DJ is compatible with High Sierra now. Okay, and I was going to say I updated mine to High Sierra this week um, as a tractor user, and so far I haven't had any trouble. In fact, I recorded uh, about an hour and twenty minute long mix without any hiccups or anything. So, from my end, tractor looks good for the latest version of Mac OS. Um, of course, you know, disclaimer, disclaimer, your mileage may vary. Um, always be careful when upgrading something as serious as your OS. Get a backup and all that kind of stuff. Don't do it right before a gig. Um, all that kind of stuff applies. That's something that I was going to say. Being a um, <clears throat> switching over to digital G, uh, DJing years ago, I would wait uh, about a month or so when a new uh, operating system would come out or a new upgrade would come out because Tractor, a lot of times back in the day, was not compatible. Yeah, absolutely. And even sometimes, uh, I, I think I've talked on the show one time, I had an issue where. I had iTunes integrated with my tractor library and I updated iTunes and it completely hosed my library. So you mm-hmm. just, you kind of never know what's going to happen there. So because I'm still on El Capitan. That's what I upgraded from. So, you know, like I said, I've, I've had good luck, but I'm also that guy that's willing to throw myself under the bus and find out. Cause I, pretty confident I can dig my way out and I didn't have any immediate gigs to worry about. So sure. <laughs> one of the unique aspects about this, whole topic though is that it's centered around the uh, CPU vulnerabilities with yes. uh, the meltdown inspector things right yes absolutely well the I don't know if that's what the I mean I don't think that's what the high Sierra update is about but that's kind of why I wanted to bring it up because everybody's kind of panicking and patching their systems right now right which is a good idea. So please don't take this as, you know, us discouraging you from doing that. But, you know, take the the normal precautions. Uh, go look at our episode, um, uh, Disaster Preparedness. I can't remember what episode that is off the top of my head, but we'll link it in the show notes and you can get some advice there on uh, kind of how to prepare yourself for, for such a thing. So, yes, it, it is a, a huge security vulnerability that is uh, pretty much affecting, oh, Everything. Anything ever <laughs> that has a CPU, <laughs> including smart devices and iPads and all that stuff. So, right. Yeah, it's, and one it's thing special bad. that people need to look out for is their cloud drives, too. Yes. Yeah, that's a, that's one thing I was reading about is, uh, you know, there might be a lot of slowdowns and stuff like that because, you know, Google did the Google drives and Dropboxes of the world are, you know, doing these mass migrations and upgrades to their cloud software or their uh, uh, cloud servers. And, uh, I can speak from experience in that uh, doing a lot of that at once is going to slow you down. So while we're on that topic um, in the past, I've recommended the Western digital, my cloud drives. Um, <laughs> uh, it's something that I use as part of my uh, backup uh, uh, strategy and all of that. But it recently came out that uh, there was a vulnerability uh, (laughs) by vulnerability. That's a a nice term for it. Uh, (laughs) Somebody actually hard coded a backdoor into these things. Um, 
But um, so after doing a little bit of digging, it seems that as long as you have your uh, hardware uh, updated up to the most latest firmware updates, then you should have it patched up. So I was going to ask you about that because all I saw was the initial news about that. I didn't know if there was any way out or not. (laughs) Yeah, it looked like they they put some kind of a patch out there back in November um, and I've actually okay. found it in the comments. And then when you go and like, you know, start digging through release notes and stuff like that, then yeah, there, as long as you're on the latest firmware, then you should be okay. Okay. That's good to know. But don't think uh, I didn't panic when you sent me that. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, mine's not as pimped out as trips is. So Mine wasn't affected. Right. Well, just having sat in your, your room with you enough, I saw that news fly past my feet, and I was like, I'm almost <laughs> right. positive that's what Trip uses. <laughs> so, all right, guys. Well, uh, let's talk about inspiration. Um, tell you what. I've got actually a set of dice here because I'm a huge nerd. Do they have and more than six sides? tabletop games. Uh, yes, they have I've more than six a, sides. I've got a D4, a D6, a D20, a D12. So, so what I'm going to do? Uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> so I'm going to roll the dice. Let's see. Uh, I, I'm chaotic neutral. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to roll this based based on the uh, the names I see in front of me in the uh, the room here. So that's how I'll number them. So we hey, got. Wait, a, that's not fair. I'm I'm in there twice. That is true. <laughs> well, you're the lucky winner. No. Okay. So what Trent do I win? Turlington, you win a uh, first class ticket to inspiration. Oh. I would like to know what inspires you, Trip. <laughs> okay. Um, I, I, one one thing in particular is the car. Oh, okay. It's like. The, because it's a cool looking car or what? No, 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 no. Just it, for me, like nothing really kind of gets my creative juices flowing. Them just kind of cruising around to good tunes in the car. You know what I mean? Oh, okay. So um, is, is that because you're like by yourself or is it like the scenery or what is it that uh, about the car that, that gets you in that mode? Yeah, I think it's I think it's a little bit of all of that. Like for me, I'm a huge fan of like digitally imported FM. So it's it's for me, like I can put on some of my favorite channels and then like just that feeling of getting in in the car and whenever you're going somewhere and then just kind of like letting that music kind of influence the way that you look at your environment. So like, Mm. even if I wake up in the shittiest of moods or whatever, if I put on like something that actually like makes me feel good and, you know, hopefully by in the the 15 minutes it takes me to get from home to work, then, you know, I'm looking at things a little bit differently. That music is kind of influencing the way that I feel. And then when I do that, and when I get myself into that mode, then I'm actually paying more attention to the music as well as everything else around me, which then that's where I start to draw some inspiration because I can listen to whatever music is making me feel good and then draw some ideas from that to put into my own music or to say, you know what, other, as a DJ rather than a producer, say, you know what, might mix good into that and then start picking you know, songs in a playlist and, and start putting things together. You know, 
and by the time I get it all put together, then I've got a playlist that might make a good mix. Why I have never put them together as an actual recorded mix, well, that's a different <laughs> episode. So, <laughs> <laughs> I, I really like this answer because I, I, I know what you're talking about. It, for me, being in the car, especially by myself, I, I get a lot of thinking done in the car. Yeah. Um, it just kind of puts you in that introspective mood because you're, you're just kind of in this capsule that's somewhat removed from the rest of the world. And, it, you know, in this case, we're talking about music and sound. And so if you've got, you know, speakers surrounding you in this little box, um, you know, that kind of has its own little effect. You're kind of surrounded by the sound in the, in the same way that you are when you're wearing headphones, you know, to right. an extent. And kind of becomes yeah, like a. Right, right. And, and it kind of, yeah, exactly. And it kind of becomes like the soundtrack to your own life. Like, you know, it just kind of influences the way you look at everything and feel about it. I do that quite a bit driving back from Columbus, you know, when you're, yeah. when you're heading east to west during that sunset, you know, and you're, you're yeah. just driving 70 west and the sun is setting and you just have a great mix on, man, there's nothing like it. Yeah, Absolutely. Well, if you guys don't mind, I'm going to go ahead and jump in there because I have one that's kind of similar to that. Sure. And uh, what I brought in is is beauty in nature. And mm. the story that I have about this is, is kind of related to that because it has to do with, with a vehicle. Uh, not a car, but a jet ski, actually. Uh, so I spend uh, occasionally spend some time down at Norris Lake, um, which is in Tennessee. And there's this one particular, uh, I don't know, alcove or, or this, this corner that you turn. It kind of reminds me, uh, Trip. we've talked about this before. When you're, when you're going northbound on 75 and you, you hit that Cincinnati skyline suddenly. Oh, yeah. There's, there's hill, kind baby. of a, yeah, there, there's kind of a, a striking moment like that around this particular curve. In, on the lake, uh, not a cityscape, but a, just a, a mountainscape. Sure. But uh, there, there's a, a particular window, a particular time of day where if you if you hit that spot, you know, right at the right time of day, it's kind of like dusky out and it just ref the water just shimmers like nothing you've ever seen. It's just it's one of the most beautiful sights I've ever seen. And there's this distant blue mountainscape and it's it's one of those mountainscapes where there are different layers if that makes sense so you have some like kind of close mountains and then you got some way in the distance and it just makes this really neat backdrop oh yeah and and i always see this uh, as i'm returning from a uh, you know taking my my stepdaughter out on a jet ski or something like that uh and it's almost time to get home because the sun's setting and so i always hit this same spot at right about the same time and and every time I just have to stop and just take, kind of take it all in. And there's been a few times where I've done this and it's, and it's inspired me to want to actually create a mix. Um, I've already named the mix. It's called chasing daylight. I've never nice. put it together. I've never recorded it, <laughs> obviously, but I just keep Sounds familiar. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it's one of those ones that just kind of keeps rattling around in my head. I have a concept for it. I know basically the kind of sound I want to go for, or at least the feeling I want to go for. And it, man, it's, there's just something moving about arriving in that spot 
when the sun's setting just right and I, I immediately just start hearing tunes in my head and it's really it's inspired me to make this mix i'm i'm gonna do it this year i'm, I'm committing to doing that very cool there's a uh, there's please do a group a trance group called uh three drives they're you know iconic mm. um that one of their biggest hits if anybody doesn't know it is grease 2000 um but at one point they did a track called sunset on ibiza and when somebody i forget where i read the article but that's exactly what happened is they had been out partying all night whatever and um ended up on a beach at sunset in ibiza and like just what they had said was that the 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 entire backdrop like just everything kind of came together and became the inspiration for this one song uh so i i totally get that and i get really inspired by people who can take uh inspiration from i i i'm i'm in awe of people who can take inspiration from you know seemingly unrelated things you know because like when you think of like nature butterflies mountains and water and all of that kind of stuff right like you don't exactly think of a four four beat or you know uh, an almond. So <laughs> it's like a um, a visual artist with with an auditory artist, you know, combining the two. Right. You know, visual art. Right. I think it's one of the more interesting things to do as a DJ is to to take something like that, whether it's a you know a landscape or or a, f- a particular feeling, and try to translate that into an audio presentation you know what's what, what's cool is um i can compare it to three-dimensional our first fridays when we had you know five artists painting while five different djs were playing you know mm-hmm. yeah yeah because they uh they paint live like they don't necessarily have a well i don't know if they have a, any kind of plan going in no, they, went in, they, 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 they go it into it but... with no theme whatsoever we tell them the theme that night oh sweet and as as they learn the theme when they get there, they start painting their rendition of that theme while we have five regional or <clears throat> local DJs playing, you know, five different styles of music. So it's kind of comparative to the whole scenery, you know. Very cool. Tony, you want to take it from there? What, uh, what inspires you, buddy? Absolutely. Um, I'm going to be Captain Obvious, I guess. Um, <laughs> other, other DJs, producers, um, seeing them play live, um, listening to their sets, you know, um, yeah, I had one particular, I mean, I, I would obviously go back to Sasha and Digweed because they're always inspiring to me, um, no matter what set, whatever. Um, but I'm going to kind of veer away from them for once. And in 2000, it was either 2005 or 2006, I went to movement and, uh, that was the first time that I had ever seen Dubfire play. Oh, okay. And, you know, um, my style for so long was just that progressive, trancey, melodic, you know, sound. And when I saw Dubfire play that weekend, his his style was a little darker, you know, still kind of um, breakdowns here and there, not so massive like a trance or a, a proggy breakdown would be. But, you know, he, he built the set in a different way than I had ever heard. And that's kind of what inspired me to start playing more of the minimal, the more techier side of things, you know? Because, I mean, as you guys know, back in the day, I used to play trance. I used to play lighter stuff, if you will. Right, right, for sure. 
I really like this answer because um, I, I think that it kind of describes, you know, as DJs, we kind of get that little or producers or, or, you know, anybody who's involved in music in any way, we kind of have this extra layer of, um, of excitement to, to go to an event like that, that resonates with us because just because of that reason, you know, I, every year that I go to, to movement or to some other, you know, show that really, you know, I just walk away from it feeling inspired, you know, I really, enjoy it because then the first thing I want to do when I get home is, you know, fire up my studio software, fire up my decks and just have at it. That tends to happen after every movement. I yeah. feel, you know, every movement inspires so many people. It's such a great festival. Amen. Um, yeah. And, and you know, when I went to see Dub fire that night, all I, I really didn't do much research on what he was doing. All I knew at the time that he was half of deep dish, you know, mm. and I wasn't, I didn't know what to expect, nothing. And I went to him and I was just, wow, you know? So it was, uh, it was pretty moving. I came home and then I started obviously, you know, shopping around and, you know, but yeah, that inspired me quite a bit. Very cool. Very cool. What about you, uh, Mighty Modingo? What inspires you? Uh, same thing like you and Trip were talking about. You know, nature is one of the big things that inspires me. And you talking about that spot in that cove where you would go um, jet skiing. For me, like one place my mind goes back to a lot is this place I used to snowboard at in Southern California called Mountain High. Probably about two hours like northeast of Los Angeles. But the cool thing about that joint, it was the only place in Southern Cal at the time that had night snowboarding and night skiing. So you get oh, up to the top cool. of this mountain. And they had these benches up there. And I, I'm pretty positive it was with intention. Well, one, so you can gear up and not bust your ass. But two, I found myself sitting on those benches a lot and just looking off because you can see the entire Antelope Valley. And you just you see the lights and everything. And then you can see aircraft flying from L.A. to Vegas because Vegas is probably about three hours from that spot. So do you kind of get that. Um, if you get there at the right time, like it's dark on one side of the valley and light on the other side. Cause you can kind of, you're literally at the top of the mountain. So it's, uh, provides some really beautiful, um, like nature scapes and just kind of thinking about, you know, sitting up there and then even going down the mountain and just, you know, back then, you know, cause I'm of an older generation, like we had, uh, I think I might've had a Walkman or something, but I couldn't really make my own mixes, but just, uh, thinking back to those times of what maybe I would be listening to if I were there now. You know, and just hearing those sounds mm. in my Can head. Can you describe Walkman for our listeners, please? <laughs> oh, <Walkman. laughs> before compact discs, there were a small rectangular plastic thing. <laughs> wow, yeah, I'm, odd that we have to actually explain cassette tapes. Well, I might have to put something in the show notes. <laughs> that was kind of sarcasm, but realistically, that's kind of a real thing. Yeah, yeah. very much. You're you're right. I might have to explain it to my kids. I don't know if they've ever seen one, honestly. Yeah, not to digress too far, but uh, in one of my classes at school, uh, one of the professors asked the uh, room of 70 people to raise their hand if they were born before 1990, and only two of us raised our hands. <laughs> <laughs> It always kills me when uh, going to buy a you know, six pack or something and, and seeing what the latest uh, number on the calendar is right, right. behind the cashier. <laughs> 1992 or whatever. <laughs> oh, my God. No. <laughs> uh, Trip, what else you got, man? 
What inspires you? Uh, times of high emotion. Oh, okay. So like, uh, like important things in your life and things like that. Or? Right. I mean, nothing, nothing, and and inspiration. You know, I, I, for me, that can be both a positive and a negative thing. So, like, you know, any any kind of like event, major event in my life has usually spawned something creatively from me. So. Um, you know, whether it's a breakup or whether it's, you know, uh, a death in the family or mm. uh, a death of a friend and things like that. And so um, it, it, all of those are like just highly charged emotional moments. And for me, my escape or, or my therapy for times like that is music. And, you know, so like when you're trying to relive or not, when you're trying to work through those emotions and you start... Uh, listening to music, uh, for me, I recycle a lot of stuff that I've listened to throughout my life. And a lot of times, uh, you know, I'm very cyclical with, with certain things. So like, for example, when I'm dealing with something negative or serious in my life, uh, Nine Inch Nails, Tool, other industrial and 90s alt and prog rock and, and um, stuff like that, you know, it really makes its way back into my my playlist. Mm -hmm. And um, as I listen to those things now, uh, you know, how much of that do actually directly influences my music or my mixes? Not much. But what I do is I start listening for things that I may have been completely oblivious to when I first was introduced to these things or first fell in love with those things. And when I start paying attention to like, you know, specific musical styles or chord progressions and things like that, then I can draw some inspiration from that and take that back into the studio or take that back to, you know, the decks. And, and even if I'm not trying to mimic what I hear, I'm, I'm trying to do something with what I learned from it. Uh, for positive things, you know, then, you know, that's a little bit easier because when you hear something you love, you, you want to mimic it or you want to take something from it and make it your own. So, you know, just dealing with those times of high charged emotional uh, things, it, that's just kind of what I latch on to is music. I think most of the the greatest songs ever created have been created in times of extreme passion or misery or you know falling in love or or something like that you know it's just um that that inspiration i think uh, it, it runs deep within us you know when, when we have something so either stressful or important or exciting happen it just gets those emotions going and you know, it's kind of interesting because as I think about it, it kind of brings up a different point because there are there are different kinds of inspiration. Uh, for example, the chasing daylight thing, the you know, the uh, uh, beauty in nature idea inspires me because it makes me have certain feelings. Whereas when I come back from movement, I feel inspired because I have new ideas. Right. Right. And, and there's kind of a, a sliding scale there. Right. You know, like I, I also have certain feelings when I'm at movement and I also have ideas because of the beauty in nature. But sure. it kind of it's, it's interesting that I never really thought about before. Uh, I, I've thought about what inspires me, but not how those ins, those uh, inspirational moments affect me differently and why they inspire me. Right. 
Okay, so for me, um, the next thing I brought in was just kind of being among other passionate people, other inspirational people. So kind of hanging out in a room with artists. Um, so this is where, you know, collaborations and things like that kind of come in. But, you know, even, you know, me hanging in the, the room with you guys, you know, I come out of the room a lot of times feeling inspired, um, either because of the ideas that we've come up with or because of that shared excitement, the synergy in the room. Um, yeah. Awesome. Kind of like an osmosis thing. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Contact yeah, because, Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Like yeah, I mean, party. <laughs> you know that when we used to to hang out at uh, uh, Dayton Studios back in the day, you know there were times there where we would be hanging out with other creative types and just kind of, you know, we had one person uh, Tim who was uh, really good on piano, and then we had a you know another guy who was really good with mix downs, and and you just get those people in the room, and it's right. like it's almost like your your brain is freed up to think about what you're good at because they're handling the stuff that you struggle with. <laughs> right. Right. There was some serious magic in that room. Absolutely. Oh yeah. Especially like when we were like working with like Leo and Shay shout out guys. Some of those nights were just amazing. I mean, Steve Gilson, frenzy, silent gloves. Yep. Absolutely. Whatever moniker you'd like to use for him. Um, he came in. Who wanted to be having there? It was him and Seth and you and Tim and Leo and Shay all at once. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, that was a heater. We still need to finish that. Right. <laughs> Speaking of which, the other point that I brought in related to that is uh, it, it gives you a path to accountability. So if you, especially if you're doing a collaboration or something, it's not just that you feed off of each other's ideas and excitement, but it's also like, hey, did you, did you do that thing we talked about? You know, and you can kind of, kind of nudge each other along, which, uh, can be inspirational in its own way. For sure. Mr. Dingo, what else inspires you, man? So, um, again, I hate to sound like a broken record, but you know, life events, I think one of, not my most recent one mix, but the one before that was inspired uh, when my dog passed away. Mm -hmm. uh, her name was Sugar, and it was just one of those things that was very traumatic. It came very abruptly, and I actually had a show at therapy, I think, one or two days after she passed and I kind of needed to do something to memorialize her for me. Mm. Uh, and, um, it was a uh, very therapeutic to go out there that night and play that set and to kind of honor her a little bit. Um, I mean, I have four kids, I have a wife, but you know, dogs, they're just a little different, you know, they're people that never say a word to you, but they know everything about you. And I felt that was the best way to help myself with the healing process and of course in the middle of it i had to slam down some spin spin sugar you know, <laughs> that, was, that was like at the peak of the of the, of the set so yeah life events just like trip said you know they, they can be you know uplifting moments or moments that bring you down but still regardless uh, moments of very high energy and an opportunity to to do some healing you know in, in either direction i i think you're preaching to the choir on that one man i i totally get it um you know, for, for me, my wife and I used to be very involved in the, the rescue community and we placed about a uh, hundred and something dogs over the course of a year or two with uh, either fosters or, or forever homes as they call it. And the thing about working in rescue is you work with a lot of sickly 
senior dogs, you know, uh, hospice cases, um, abuse cases, things like that. And so, you know, kind of every other day is a, is a Sarah McLaughlin commercial. Um, for me, mine, uh, mine was Bambi. She was my golden retriever. We brought her in as a hospice case. We were just trying to make her comfortable for a couple of days. And, uh, we had a, <laughs> a vet co- uh, show up and give her a steroid shot and she ended up, uh, suddenly getting better. And so we ended up having her for about a year and a half and man, that, that dog was just my heart, man. And, uh, I'm the same way, man. When, when she was gone, it's like my, my music is, is there for me, you know, yeah. to, I needed to pour my heart, pour my heart out somewhere. So I, I totally know what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Sugar ironically was a rescue as well. So mm. yeah. And that was our first rescue dog. And I think maybe that's why it hit us so hard on top of it. Yeah. And uh, of course I named the mix sugar there or sweet therapy. Yeah. Uh, I'm not above that either. Like my first two mixes uh, were absolutely 100% about breakups. Mm. <laughs> As a matter of fact, the first one was called You Won't See Me Cry, which is actually a Marcus Schultz song, which is on that mix. But um, yeah, I had moved to, uh, from Ohio to Florida to be with some girl and uh, get all the way down there and just let's just say things didn't work out. And uh, when I got back to Ohio, that was the first thing I did is I, I recorded that mix um, and and put it out. And to this day, it's I mean, that was back in 2000, maybe 2000. It's one of your most requested mixes. Yeah, yeah, still. <laughs> that doesn't feel like just constantly reopening a wound, does it? No, no, because honestly, like, I know what happened to that girl over time, man. So like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm in a better place. Like, we're all good. Like, Did the karma bus come back around? <laughs> oh, yeah. Karma bus came around and then hit her and then threw her down the, down the gutter. And like, <laughs> no, no. I, I mean, it, you know, especially like once you've had enough time, you know, you, sometimes we put all of this energy into these things that are affecting us at, at that time. But that's kind of the, the point of catharsis, right? Like you you need to work through these things so that you can come to a, a place of peace with it. And, you know, so like I never wished her any harm or anything like that. But and, you know, we it, she lived her own life and, you know, karma does come back around. But um, no, it still ultimately. Hurts yeah, for sure. But ultimately, like, whenever I listen back on that mix, it's more like, for me, I love that mix. I love all of the tracks on it. And mm. the the most frustrating thing is, why don't people like this stuff anymore? Because, <laughs> uh. you know, it kind of goes back to what we were talking about before with, like, all the pretty trance and stuff. So. Uh, it used to be yeah. so good. Oh, I know. It, I don't want to say used to. It still is every time I put something on. Hey, yep, guilty pleasure, man. Yes, I think people just don't have the patience anymore. Uh, Tony, what else you got, man? Um, for me, something that really inspires me is playing a gig or getting booked for a new gig. Um, you know, I, I I guess I'm gonna kind of wrap my other one, my other inspiration, in with this. Okay. Um, but you know, when I when I'm playing a new gig and the room even the small gigs and the rooms are, you get them to that level of just one vibe. Everything feels great. You know, everybody's on the same level. Just like, like the first Fridays and things like that. Um, just those small vibe rooms like that really, really inspired me and, and pushed me to 
you know, go home, practice more, and buy new music, getting prepared for the next gig, you know? Um, Is it the music? Is it the atmosphere? Is it the people? Is it the way a small room sounds? What is it in that scenario? It's it's all the above. I mean, I could even, I don't even want to keep it two small rooms because hell, when I played BOMA shows, you know, opening for Van Dyke or Dead Mouse or any of those guys, um, you know, 1,500 people in the room, it felt great. It really inspired me to, to, to go further, you know, but the, uh, so I don't really want to just trap it on the small room vibe. I'm just going to say overall, just a good gig. That's a great answer, man. I, I totally know what you're talking about there, and I don't think I need to point out what gig last year did it for me. <laughs> <laughs> you better not. <laughs> no, no, absolutely. You can repeat it as many times as you want, you know? Um, just that itself, me putting that show together um, and, and having that happen in our town inspired me, you know? So I that, I, yeah. Yeah. To, to be quite honest, I don't even have to say I have to be behind the decks, but, you know. That's a good point just the gig itself, the show. And, and yeah, that, that inspired a lot of things. I mean, months later, who we bring Nicole, you know? Yeah, man. So yeah. Me and just, Nicole. Yeah. Um, you gotta bring her back, man. That show was something else. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I really want to, she had a great time and she, uh, she had mentioned online, um, that she wanted to come back, you know, but it's just gonna obviously schedule. Hopefully we can find something in 2018 that we can pick up. But yeah, that'd be great because for me, like as long as I don't tear my other ACL, (laughs) (laughs) Um, I I Facebook Live you, bro. That's That's true. That's that's true. Um, But kind of getting back to you know the gig point and my my third inspiration wrapping it together really is is purchasing new music, just shopping Mm. and and researching and listening to clips and you know to itunes spotify just listening to stuff and and shopping and you know they have the um you know if you like this person you may like this person Mm. you know and it just kind of spans off and inspires other other styles for myself you know things that i never thought that i would maybe even play or throw into my set Sort of that modern crate digging process. Yes, yes. I hear that, man. Yeah, that kind of ties into my third one, too. Okay, go for it, man. Yeah, uh, just uh, hearing about something that I'm not hip to yet. And uh, so whether that's uh, getting lost in YouTube, just clicking link after link after link, and then just kind of seeing where that goes. Um, or like if somebody shows me something or I hear somebody else talking about it or, you know, you see on these blogs where somebody starts talking about a new genre and things are starting to emerge. So for me, like if I'm not hip to something yet, but then I hear about it and then I go and listen to it or somebody shares something with it, with me that it's related to it. And when I hear it, if I like it, then I I will, I'm that person that will dive a hundred percent into it. And then like, it, it takes me a little bit to kind of like let the newness kind of wear off and like kind of pull myself back and say, wait, don't forget there's drum and bass. Don't forget there's techno. Don't forget mm. there's tech house. There's all these other things that you love. But like, that's exactly what happened to me with like Moombaton and Glitch Hop. 
you know, I heard about Glitch Hop from Jack uh, Sheets, uh, Mr. Shifter. And after I heard his shift hop mix, then like I didn't like play any other genres for like a year and a half. <laughs> <laughs> it was kind of insane. Uh, and Moombaton, like that was, uh, I don't even remember how I heard about it or who shared it with me initially, but like that was like what kind of got me back into the tech house side because I had, it, things had just kind of, for me, had just kind of gotten stale with tech house. Mm -hmm. And I had lost interest. And then all of a sudden I hear this Moombaton stuff, which is slower in BPM. And it's, and it definitely had a different like attitude and a different like feeling to it. But it was enough for me to like, it, it was close enough to like tech house and techno and stuff like that, that like I could start with Moombaton and, create these like unique mixes that kind of took people on that journey that started in one place and ended in another. And then that's how I kind of got back into techno and tech house. You know, it's, I'm glad you brought this one in because now that you've said it, you know, I think back, I've, I've known you for a number of years now, maybe not so long as, as trip or uh, Tony's known you, but I've known you long enough to have kind of witnessed this in action, I think, where <laughs> right? you'll you'll kind of follow a sound for a while and I'll go, oh, that's different. That's a different thing from trip, you know, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but but you take that, you know, once you've kind of gone balls to the wall with it for a while and you, you take you always take something with you and it just kind of becomes part of the trip. Turlington artistry, you know, it, it becomes part of who you are as a producer and, and a DJ. Um, right. You take something from it, whether it's, uh, you know, like you mentioned with Moombaton, maybe it was your willingness to bring your tempo back down or, or whatever the case may be. Um, I, I, I think that's really cool because I think that makes you very versatile and it, it's, it takes an open-minded person to take inspiration from one style and apply it to another. Awesome. Thank you. So, Mr. Modingo, do you have another item of inspiration? Yes, I do. And you might find this ironic, but sports. <laughs> Sometimes you don't say. Inspiration for me. <laughs> yeah. And it was actually kind of funny because I never really thought about it until Tripp had made a comment when I was talking about DJing the football games and how he said, one day, 10 years from now, some kid that scored a touchdown in one of the games I was at is going to remember the song I played which, you know, song two when they scored a touchdown and he's going to remember, you know, being the hero of that game or whatever. Right. So, yeah. And, and looking back on my life and thinking about the music that was playing when I was playing sports and like when we did the uh, the record exchange and how that Fat Boy Slim right here, right now, that was a song I used to listen to before I went into the cage and fight, you know, things like, I guess I never realized how much of an importance music played with my sports and athletics. So that's where uh, my third source of inspiration comes from is, you know, whether it's being on the pitch or, you know, being on the mats or, or, or you know, flying sideways down a mountain, you know, there's always been music there. You know, Definitely. I can relate to that being in the gym, constantly having my headphones on. That's the perfect answer for you too, Mo, just being the, you know, the kind of gigs that you play, you know, and being involved in the, uh, the fitness industry and kind of having the crossover of the two worlds there where you're DJing CrossFit events and, and kind of bringing those together. That's, that's pretty cool. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's fun that I can bring that skill set um, to that community because most people that DJ CrossFit events are, ju are just DJs. And I don't say that, you know, lightly, but they're DJs. 
Yeah. yeah. You know, a lot of them aren't CrossFit athletes, so they don't really understand, you know, what these athletes are going through. And like I said, I try and curtail my playlist and what I play based off the amount of work or type of work that the athletes are doing. And I think they appreciate it. Very cool, man. I, I like that. Um, are we allowed to talk about your show yet? Oh, the other podcast I'm doing? Yeah. 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 Cool. Definitely. So, yeah. Okay. Uh, tell us a little bit about that. So Modingo is starting his own little side project. Yes. It was one of those things where obviously as most good ideas start over beer and pizza with a <laughs> friend of mine who owns a CrossFit gym here in Dayton, Ohio. CrossFit Excess. And we have these pretty lengthy and in-depth conversations about things related to fitness and CrossFit and coaching and running a business. And one day, after asking you guys a few questions like randomly, and I started listening to some other fitness-related podcasts, and I thought to myself, man, we we could do this. So uh, we've recorded, I think, about seven episodes so far. They're going to be 30 minutes. And you're cranking them I'm, out, man. I was going to say, didn't you just start like two weeks ago? <laughs> <laughs> Come on, man. I'm Asian. That's how we do things. <laughs> I outsource everything. Now, uh, we've, made a, we've made a trip out to Columbus last weekend and recorded about uh, two hours worth of content there, talking to one of the larger gym owners and just seeing how this goes. I, I've committed to doing it for a year just to see if after 12 months I'm still having fun doing it but it's going to be called the one more rep podcast and probably be releasing this in February. And it's more focused around the things that you won't learn during a normal fitness class. You know, you you go, you get a personal trainer, they're going to teach you your form and how to build a workout. But we're talking more things about like the mentality behind athletes, uh, psychology. Uh, One of the interviews I did over the weekend, the gentleman, he recently wrote a book. Uh, We're talking to guys in the MMA field, we're talking to people that are in marketing. So, you know, we're not going to teach you how to get a six pack, but we're going to teach you those uh, accessory things that you don't normally get out of a coach or or a book or a fitness podcast. You know, I've, cool. I've never in my life had a gym membership and I'm stoked to listen to this podcast. I oh, just, those, those topics sound really cool to me. I, that sounds like the kind of thing I'd be into. So I'm really looking forward to listening to that, man. That, that sounds like a pretty cool idea. So far, my favorite one that I've done is I talked to two eight-year-olds about CrossFit. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that was pretty amazing content. I can imagine. I love those TV shows where they uh, they ask the young kids questions and they give them like the, the brutally honest answer, you yeah. know? Filter. Yeah, but I'll definitely let everybody know once that gets published. Yeah. Okay, did I think I hit everybody's points here. Does anybody want to bring in any... Anything else before we wrap it up? Um, yeah, one thing that I want to bring up. Okay. Um, I don't even want to bring up. I just want to want to talk about was it was a post that I posted uh, almost five years ago on Instagram. Um, it was one of my first few posts. I went back and I was reading it, and it says, "Dear Music, I will never be able to thank you enough for always being there for me." So one main thing that I can always say that music will inspire me. Well, guys, I think that's going to wrap up our first episode of 2018, and I think it's a great way to start. Um, Not only do all the things that we've listed here today inspire me, but uh, you fellas do as well. So I appreciate uh, everything that you guys do, and uh, here's to another great year of the podcast and great year of DJing. What do you guys say? Yeah, glad to be back, man. (laughs) Forward to the 
to the I'll drink, I'll drink some NyQuil to that. No <laughs> doubt. Where's my Robitussin? <laughs> On that note, this has been the Passionate DJ Podcast. Take care. hear me hello we lose Dave I was gonna say, did we do we lose somebody yeah, Dave's gone. <laughs> enjoy the silence <laughs> oh, oh, there we lost is. the host David sorry about, sorry about that guys I lost your audio no you're good <laughs>